Three times a year, uh, the Lord called uh, his people in Israel uh, to pack up their bags and head off to Jerusalem. They were there to uh, attend worship uh, in the temple, uh, to give thanks uh, to the Lord. It is very likely, tradition holds it in any case, it is very likely that they would sing what we call the Psalms of Ascents. Um, the Psalms that uh, would, would be, uh, as, they, as they climb the uh, elevation towards Jerusalem, 15 Psalms, 120 uh, and, and the, next, the next 14, uh, would be on their playlist. <laughs> Sometimes when kids especially are, are on a, going on a road trip, uh, they'll, they'll make a playlist of songs uh, to play on that journey. Uh, our kids have given us playlists of things that they think we'd like, and many times they're right. Uh, so we, uh, we, we, we attend ourselves today to the playlist that the Israelites would have sung through uh, on their journey up to, uh, up, up to Jerusalem. It is very likely that Jesus, when he was 12 years old, along with his parents and friends, would have been on, on his journey up to the temple, would be singing these psalms as well. Now, their journey is a pattern for our journey. Uh, We are drawn to the new Jerusalem, a city with foundations, amazingly, with foundations whose designer and builder is God. And we, too, travel through a wilderness and what, what urges us on in our traveling through the wilderness is the yearning that our hearts have to be in heaven with God and with each other. And the Spirit is drawing us to our bridegroom. And as we are on our way, uh, we sing. Usefully, we would sing uh, these psalms that we'll be looking, to, looking at over the next several weeks. Uh, psalm 120 uh, is a psalm of, of, that I'm calling um, a Distressed Providences. It's where we start on our journey with these distressed providences. But we'll go on to see God's divine protection and also then in the third one, a delightful peace. Did you, did you get that DP in each case? I worked a while on that. Uh, distressed Providences, a Divine Protection, And delightful peace. Let me read Psalm 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, O you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. The psalmist is is leading the people in crying out to help in the distresses of the fallen world, and he is wearied. It is wearisome to live among those who oppose God. He is homesick, living among strangers for which deception is a way of life. 
Deception is a way of life. I was looking at a program, uh, uh, Putin's War, last night uh, for a few moments and observed recordings of citizens in Russia who denied that there was a war going on at all. There's no war. They're certain of that. As they are deceived and mollified by the deception of their government. And yet we are crying out for, uh, in our distress in this fallen world. We take some comfort, we see in verses 3 and 4, for we know the ultimate destruction of the wicked is certain. As in Psalm six, uh, 73, the individuals appear strong and stable, but they are on a slippery rock and their feet will fly out from under them and they will crash down. Here, however, it is God's sharp arrows and the burning coals of retribution which will one day fall upon them. We find some solace in that. And yet, there is still suffering. It is far too commonplace. We know their end is certain, but it's still hard. And for ourselves, we see in verses 5 and 6 that we are still far from Jerusalem. The two towns, Meshech and Kedar, are remote from the temple. And we too are a long ways from being home. And yet God is with us. And this is a temple of the Lord too, as we are on our way to the temple in the new heavens and the earth, new earth. And this draws us closer and closer to God. Verse 7, we seek peace. Those around us want conflict. There is resentment against God's people who believe in Him, who believe in His ways, who reject God Himself. We speak for peace. They don't want anything of it. When I speak for peace, they are for war. And so we live in a tension. We cannot compromise with darkness. Paul says, do not associate with the sexually immoral and swindlers. But then he goes on to say, but of course, I'm talking about sexual uh, immoral and swindlers in the church. Discipline them. He doesn't mean those sinners who are in the world. He makes a point of saying that. We must be among them, but not of them. We can't compromise with darkness. Neither can we, uh, can we retaliate. I'm reminded of the words from, uh, from Romans 12. I'll pick up at verse 14. Let me read a few of those, a few of those sentences that we've, we've gone through uh, not too long uh, in, the, in the past. Uh, verse, seven, verse 14 and then picking up at 70. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not curse them. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceable, peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We follow the Prince of Peace in a culture of war. And we say, grant us courageous patience towards those who oppose you and who oppose our faith. So people expect distress. Expect it. 
It will only deepen your hunger for Jesus now and to see Him later. We have, we have distressed providences. This is the, the, the environment of our journey. But the next song on our playlist uh, gives us some encouragement in the midst of this distressed uh, environment. Uh, there is also then divine protection. Uh, let me read verse or Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not, will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. On your journey, you look to the hills. The hills may give refuge. Perhaps that was the reason these hills are pointed out. But really, what they, what they prove to us is that the real help comes from God. I want to tell you again, children, I want you to get this. I want you to hang on to this. There were two nurses uh, serving the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Compassion of Jesus Hospital in Ginda, Eritrea. Two nurses serving the Lord. One of them was named Debbie Dortzbach and another was named Anna Strickwerda. Uh, um, Debbie Dortzbach wrote a book about her experiences there. It's called Kidnapped. She too uh, was kidnapped. She would daily look to the hills during the months of her captivity. She would daily look to the hills and it would remind her that her help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. She was five months pregnant when she was, when she was kidnapped, I believe. It was five months. And she found daily refreshment by the Spirit of the Lord as she looked to the hills and it reminded her that God is her helper. The psalm goes on to say that God doesn't sleep. Now, what, what benefit is that to us? The statement that God doesn't sleep. Well, he doesn't drift off in his attention to our needs. Uh, I, have, I have a prayer that is part of my ritual, my liturgy, if you will, part of what I, what I pray most every day. And it goes this way. Thank you, Father, for the grace that has preserved me to this moment, to this very moment. And why that encourages me is I, I think of, of God's attention on me. He's awake. I was sleeping. I've just now gotten up. He is awake. And his attention is on me to this very moment and on every moment preceding in my life. That's what that tells me. That's how that helps me. Um, thank you, Lord, for the grace that has preserved my life to this moment and moving forward. He never turns away. He never takes his eyes off you, not for a moment. And when you are asleep, God is wide awake. And when you take your eyes off him, 
He continues to have his eyes watching over you. And even in your suffering, this God suffers too. There's a general Old Testament rule that if you remain faithful to God, you will be able to keep the land, live in the land, stay there, and you will enjoy peace and prosperity under your own vine and fig tree. That's 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 almost an idiomatic phrase that is repeated time and time again in the Old Testament. This is the promise for obedience. You can sit under your under your own uh, into your under your own uh, vine and fig tree, and even share that prosperity with your neighbor. That's the Old Testament rule: obey me, and you will have prosperity and fine things. The New Testament rule is different. The New Testament rule says that you will, in fact, suffer on your journey. And yet, your suffering enriches your journey with God. Your suffering helps you detach from the world and prepares you uh, for the world to come. Um, A a paragraph here from uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, uh, The Great Divorce. Um, ah, the saved. What happens to them is best described as the opposite of a mirage. What seemed, when they entered it, to be the veil of misery, turns out, when they look back, to have been a well. And where present experience saw only salt deserts, memory truthfully records that the pools were pools of water. Now let me read Psalm 84. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, Each one appears before God in Zion. Where their present experience saw only salt deserts, memory truthfully records that they were pools full of water. What does that mean? It means God, notice five times in this psalm, this brief psalm, God says he will keep you. He will keep you. He will keep you. He will keep your foot from slipping. Sin, and it says in any evil, and that would be both sin and suffering, sin needn't harm you. It needn't harm you. Because there's no temptation that has seized you except that it's common to man. And there will always be an escape from that temptation. Sin doesn't need to derail you. And for that matter, suffering doesn't either. It won't defeat you. It won't keep you from the prize of your high calling. Suffering won't do that. God will keep you as he kept Debbie. She was released. She is well and living today. This was maybe 30 years ago. God also kept Anna. She was killed by her kidnappers. And she went immediately into the glorious presence of God. God cared for both. 
We have distressed providences. It is wearisome. It drags us down. We also have this divine protection. God will keep you. And then the third psalm we're looking at tonight, we can therefore approach um, our city with delightful peace. The theme of this psalm is a delightful peace. Listen to these words. Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing before your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Uh, Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. So verse 1 opens up in this psalm. We were glad for where we're heading. We are approaching this city with joy. We've been there before and we are so glad to be heading back uh, to Jerusalem. And it is a city that is compact as it is built together on that mountain. And this points us, doesn't it, to the fact that our city, our expression of that city is, is also beautiful. That through the gospel of grace, various nations, various ethnic groups are compacted and tightly fit together uh, in the the temple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A few verses from Ephesians chapter 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together fits into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you also are being built together, compactly built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. A wonderful temple displaying the presence of God with all kinds of people gathered together, cleansed by the gospel of grace and declaring the glory of Christ to all around us. So, of course, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They would have prayed for walls and towers, for safety and protection. They would have prayed that their material city would be able to sustain attacks from the outside. We pray for the fullest most beautiful peace possible this side of heaven. A peace with God that is fulfilled, comes to its fullness in our peace with one another together. We pray for celestial city peace in this Holy Spirit-filled earthen vessel. We pray for heavenly peace in this still earthly body. Now, peace doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean walking in lockstep in every detail. Of course it means sharing in the unity of basic doctrines like the Apostles' Creed. No doubt about that at all. 
But disagreements on lesser matters are simply inevitable, not to be feared. In fact, they they can put a healthy stress, if you will, on the ship, Christ's church. Um, we storms can cause some creaking of the ship's timbers, but the ship will survive. And such, such adversity strengthens the ship on the way to the glorious city. I, city. I love the unity of the gospel in an environment today of such unrest. We love the unity we find in the gospel of grace. Verses 8 and 9. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. And for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. My call in these brief words this evening, following longer words this morning, (laughs) my call to you this evening, um, that the Holy Spirit will use this playlist of psalms to level out your journey. Yes, to expect to not be surprised by distressing providences, but also to prime you to thank God for divine protection. And finally, to delight in that peace that Christ has won for us. May we journey together in joy to the eternal city. Let us pray. Father, we are uh, grateful for the music of the psalms that uh, address our heart. These psalms address uh, our concerns, our needs, our distress, but they also fill us with the glory of your purposes for us. And we give you praise. We give you praise. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen.